Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. Someone's knocking at the door. Someone's <laughs> ringing at David Cox. And I'm Josh Matheson. I don't know. I always find flips really funny. Oh, me too. You have to have a really no. thick, um, yeah. thick break. Matt's not. Matt's lucky because he's got, got a very smooth passage. Diana Vickers, isn't it? This is the yeah, Diana yeah, yeah. Effect. To every end of every line, I was like, oh my god, can you stop? It's Caught not a side choice. <laughs> Uh, it's basically yodeling. Hold it on, is. hold on. Yeah. Leave me breathless. <laughs> every every Alanis Morissette song, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. We should probably get on with the book. Yeah. This week we are looking at chapter twenty-seven, which is called "Pieces of Eight. So, right? Yeah. Last Whoa. week we had a standoff between Israel Hands and Jim. They had this kind of mm. weird working relationship where they're like, well, we need each other. Israel knew how to steer the ship, but was injured. Jim had the arms and legs to steer the ship, but didn't have the know-how. So they kind of called a truce and got the ship where it needed to be. And then Israel sprung his trap and tried to stab Jim. But then Jim managed to get away and accidentally shot him twice. Yeah. Whilst he was like, pinned to the mast by the back yes. of his shirt. I think mm. the surprise of the dagger was what set the guns off, wasn't it? It was like yeah, one of those moments. And so Israel Hands has now fallen into the water. So Jim yes. is aboard the ship. He's captured it. He's all alone. There's no one body. else to stop him now. Yeah, he's oh, killed his Red Cap. Red Cap's still there. Do we think it started <laughs> to, like with the salt water and the heat, do we think it started to fester a bit now? It's oh. probably started to puff up a bit. Yeah. It's swollen. How yeah. quickly do bodies start smelling, particularly if they're in the sun? Depends. Uh, two days? I don't know. Oh, no. You leave like, like, uh, chicken out in the sun. It, it kind of starts <laughs> looking quite grim pretty quick, doesn't it? Mm. I think there would be a lot of uh, micro... Is it microdiversity? Microbiodiversity. Wow. Oh, well, microbiodiversity yeah. on yeah, yeah. aging wet wood. That is not oh. one for the start of the day. Microbiodiversity <laughs> on aging wet wood. So you think all of the bacteria and stuff are gonna just like start seeping out of the floorboards and yeah, yeah it's like it's like the polar there. opposite of like otzi the one they found in the alps right he was like frozen for two thousand years yeah. it's the exact opposite of that rotting man <laughs> that could be a whole other chapter really rotting it? Man. <laughs> that, there'll be like a little there'll be like a little uh bonus ending at the end of the book yeah. here's what red cap looks like now <laughs> yeah flip book yeah <laughs> it's a flip book and you just watch it just like Disintegrate. Goo. Yeah. <laughs> a bit like when, when the guy drinks from the wrong Holy Grail, it'll be like Yes, he turns yeah. into blubber. Well, we've got a picture here for the start of this chapter, which okay. is, there you go, the Jim ship. in the sea. Again, the scale, guys. The, the ship yeah, is he, like... I know, he's now a giant. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Gulliver's Travels. Well, see, he's out to his knees. He's obviously making his way for land. Yeah, he's like pulling an imaginary rope. <laughs> yeah, it looks like that, doesn't it? It looks like he's trying to actually pull the ship. Or is he just walking, is he walking out to sea, doing the sort of um, spinning like um, Catherine wheel arms, just in case like a pirate yeah. comes past? He, yeah. he does look like he's getting ready to punch someone. It's kind of like fists akimbo, braced. Yeah. Anyway, was Israel well. was, was legs akimbo? Israel hands cousin. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's dive into the chapter. Here we go. 
<sighs> Chapter 27. Pieces of Eight. Owing to the cant of the vessel, the masts hung far out over the water, and from my perch on the cross trees, I had nothing below me but the surface of the bay. Hans, who was not so far up, was in consequence nearer to the ship, and fell between me and the bullocks. He rose once to the surface in a lather of foam and blood, and then sank again for good. When he said he rose, I thought he was still alive. It's just his floating body. As the water settled, I could see him lying huddled together on the clean, bright sand in the shadow of the vessel's sides. A fish or two whipped past his body. Sometimes, by the quivering of the water, he appeared to move a little, as if he were trying to rise. But he was dead enough, for all that, being both shot and drowned, and was food for fish in the very place where he had designed my slaughter. I was no sooner certain of this than I began to feel sick, faint, and terrified. The hot blood was running over my back and chest. The dirk, where it had pinned my shoulder to the mast, seemed to burn like a hot iron. Yet it was not so much these real sufferings that distressed me, for these, it seemed to me, I could bear without a murmur. It was the horror I had upon my mind of falling from the cross-trees into that still green water beside the body of the coxswain. I don't know what it is about the temperature description there, but that makes me feel really ooh. Do you know what I mean? Ooh. What, like hot like blood I, running? Yeah, I think that's one of the main things that, like, really disturbs me about the idea of witnessing, like, a bad accident and having to help, like, feeling that the temperature, like, oh, no. I don't know why. Yeah. It's All weird. the senses like, getting involved. Yeah, no, but that's what I mean. And I don't, I don't yeah. know, there's something about it, like, it being hot that just makes it really gross. Yeah, yeah, I think we've sort of been, because of like horror films and all the TV we watch, we're kind of desensitized to the visual of gore. Mm. But then imagine the, all yeah. the other the smell yeah, like, and, yeah, and exactly. the feel and the taste in your yeah, mouth. And yeah, that's the gross yeah. stuff. Yeah, because yeah. I imagine it being sticky as well. Exactly, Whoop. and it stains immediately. Yeah, you know. mm. no, 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 not for me. I clung with both hands till my nails ached and I shut my eyes as if to cover up the peril. Gradually, my mind came back again. My pulses quieted down to a more natural time, and I was once more in possession of myself. It was my first thought to pluck forth the dirk, but either it stuck too hard or my nerve failed me, and I desisted with a violent shudder. Oddly enough, that very shudder did the business, the knife, in fact, had come the nearest in the world to missing me altogether. It held me by a mere pinch of skin, and this the shudder tore away. Oh. The blood ran down the faster, to be sure, but I was my own master again, and only tacked to the mast by my coat and shirt. This is the thing. You're like, okay, yeah, fine. So it's not, it's not like penetrated tissue and Organ, nerves and yeah. all that all that all those shenanigans which i think is the technical term used by surgeons mm. um <laughs> yeah any, any any amount of bacteria and you're like yeah tetanus gangrene the whole mm. shebang again which is another official term i mean who knows where that knife has been 
Well, it was already bloodied. So you're also looking at oh, like yeah. hepatitis potentially. Do you know what I mean? Like there's loads of other things as well, like diseases it could have in terms of, you know, from the blood of the last person that it stabbed. Tropical. Yeah. Yellow fever. Mm. I don't know if that comes with mosquitoes or something, but, you know, any time like humans, can use a word here, you don't have to laugh, penetrate areas <laughs> of nature where have not been, whence not been entered before, butchered that as well. Like when they <laughs> built the, um, when they built the Panama Canal, Mm. Um, like tens of thousands of people died of yellow fever because they were staying in the jungle. Mm. And obviously oh. there were people of, you know, genesis of people that had never been in those areas before. So obviously there was tribes and the dynasties of like Incas and Mayans and stuff. But because it was these Europeans and North it Americans would, yeah, that had never been there, they like so quickly were just like, the bacteria were like, yep, wipe yeah. out. Yeah. But then also so went the other way as well because they brought diseases into these tribes that they'd never seen before either. Yeah, that's so true. They end yeah. up Isn't like that how they kill the things like syphilis and all this kind of stuff? Yeah, and you're just like, oh. yeah all, our, all our ones are just like gross ones that you can do via sex. And they're yeah. just sort of like from <laughs> tropical disease. Ooh. I think good old flu, good old fashioned flu probably came from us as well. And probably yeah. like that. that's what killed the um, aliens in War of the Worlds, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, just the common yeah. cold. I do love the idea of you saying you're a surgeon. You're like, oh, so doctor, what's wrong? He's like, your shenanigans have been stabbed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it is it good? Is it is it bad? I'm afraid it's the whole shebang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right doctor, in the shenanigans. Eat around the bush. <laughs> These last, I broke through with a sudden jerk and then regained the deck by the starboard shrouds. For nothing in the world would I have again ventured, shaken as I was upon the overhanging port shrouds from which Israel had so lately fallen. I went below and did what I could for my wound. It pained me a good deal and still bled freely, but it was neither deep nor dangerous, nor did it greatly gall me when I used my arm. Then I looked around me, and as the ship was now, in a sense, my own, I began to think of clearing it from its last passenger, the dead man, O'Brien. Oh, there you go. He had pitched, as I have said, against the bullocks, where he lay like some horrible, ungainly sort of puppet, life-size indeed, but how different from life's colour or life's comeliness. In that position, I could easily have my way with him, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't I don't know if we want to have our way with him. Yes. If I'm honest. No. I, I'm not quite sure what... Does he mean, like, kill him again? Yeah, It's also just come straight after a word that's gone out of the, the, the sort of British lexicon, and that is comeliness, which... Yes. I also, I'm glad it's no longer with us. Yes. Like O'Brien. Uh, just like <laughs> O'Brien. <laughs> I love it. Maybe, maybe have his way because he's a sort of puppet. He's going to use all of like the rope and stuff. He's going to stand on the crow's nest <laughs> and like make him float around like a puppet. Weekend of Bernie. And, like, I, I get, try and get the attention of, um, uh, it's like, Long John Silver, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> In that position, I could easily have my way with him. And as the habit of tragical adventures had worn off almost all my horror for the dead, I took him by the waist, as if he had been a sack of bran, and with one good heave tumbled him overboard. He went in with a sounding plunge. 
the red cap came off and remained floating on the surface, and as soon as the splash subsided, I could see him and Israel lying side by side, both wavering with the tremulous movement of the water. O'Brien, though still quite a young man, was very bald. There he lay with that bald head across the knees of the man who had killed him, and the quick fishes steering to and fro over both. I was now alone upon the ship. The tide had just turned. The sun was within so few degrees of setting that already the shadow of the pines upon the western shore began to reach right across the anchorage and fall in patterns on the deck. The evening breeze had sprung up, and though it was well warded off by the hill with the two peaks upon the east, the cordage had begun to sing a little softly to itself, and the idle sails to rattle to and fro. I began to see a danger to the ship. The jibs I speedily doused and brought tumbling to the deck, but the mainsail was a harder matter. Of course, when the schooner canted over, the boom had swung outboard, and the cap of it and a foot or two of sail hung even under water. I thought this made it still more dangerous, yet the strain was so heavy that I half feared to meddle. At last I got my knife and cut the halyards. The peak dropped instantly, a great belly of loose canvas floated broad upon the water, and since, pull as I liked, I could not budge the downhaul, that was the extent of what I could accomplish. For the rest, the Hispaniola must trust to luck, like myself. By this time, the whole anchorage had fallen into shadow. The last rays, I remember, falling through the glade of the wood and shining bright as jewels on the flowery mantle of the wreck. It began to be chill. The tide was rapidly fleeting seaward, the schooner settling more and more on her beam ends. I scrambled forward and looked over. It seemed shallow enough, and holding the cut hawser in both hands for the last security, I let myself drop slowly overboard. The water scarcely reached my waist. The sand was firm and covered with ripple marks. I waded ashore in great spirits, leaving the Hispaniola on her side, <laughs> with her mainsail trailing wide upon the surface of the bay. About the same time, the sun went fairly down, and the breeze whistled low in the dusk among the tossing pines. At least, and at last, I was off the sea, nor had I returned thence empty-handed. There lay the schooner, clear at last from buccaneers and ready for our own men to board and get to sea again. I had nothing nearer my fancy than to get home to the stockade, and boast of my achievements. Possibly I might be blamed a bit for my truantry, but the recapture of the Hispaniola was a clenching answer. Nobody did it. Oh, did it, did it. You both sorry. failed miserably <laughs> and are henceforth I was too busy bam. just listening to the story. Okay, yeah, good. And I hoped that even Captain Smollett would confess I had not lost my time. So thinking, and in famous spirits, I began to set my face homeward for the blockhouse and my companions. I remembered that the most easterly of the rivers which drain into Captain Kidd's anchorage 
ran from the two-peaked hill upon my left, and I bent my course in that direction, that I might pass the stream while it was small. The wood was pretty open, and keeping along the lower spurs I had soon turned the corner of that hill, and not long after waded to the mid-calf across the watercourse. This brought me near to where I had encountered Ben Gunn, the maroon, and I walked more circumspectly, keeping an eye on every side. The dusk had come nigh-hand completely, and as I opened out the cleft between the two peaks, I became aware of a wavering glow against the sky, where, as I judged, the man of the island was cooking his supper before a roaring fire. And yet I wondered in my heart that he should show himself so careless. For if I could see this radiance, might it not reach the eyes of Silver himself, where he camped upon the shore among the marshes? Gradually the night fell blacker. It was all I could do to guide myself even roughly towards my destination. The double hill behind me and the spyglass on my right hand loomed faint and fainter. The stars were few and pale, and in the low ground where I wandered, I kept tripping among the bushes and rolling into sandy pits. Suddenly, a kind of brightness fell about me. I looked up. A pale glimmer of moonbeams had alighted on the summit of the spyglass, and soon after I saw something broad and silvery moving low down behind the trees, and knew the moon had risen. With this to help me, I passed rapidly over what remained to me of my journey, and sometimes walking, sometimes running, impatiently drew near to the stockade. Yet, as I began to thread the grove that lies before it, I was not so thoughtless but that I slacked my pace and went a trifle warily. It would have been a poor end of my adventures to get shot down by my own party in mistake. The moon was climbing higher and higher. Its light began to fall here and there in masses through the more open districts of the wood, and right in front of me a glow of a different colour appeared among the trees. It was red and hot, and now and again it was a little darkened, as it were the embers of a bonfire smouldering. For the life of me I could not think what it might be. At last I came right down upon the borders of the clearing. The western end was already steeped in moonshine. The rest and the blockhouse itself still lay in a black shadow, chequered with long silvery streaks of light. On the other side of the house an immense fire had burned itself into clear embers and shed a steady red reverberation, contrasted strongly with the mellow paleness of the moon. There was not a soul stirring, nor a sound beside the noises of the breeze. I stopped, with much wonder in my heart, and perhaps a little terror also. It had not been our way to build great fires. We were, indeed, by the captain's orders, somewhat niggardly of firewood, and I began to fear that something had gone wrong while I was absent. I stole round to the eastern end, keeping close in shadow, and at a convenient place, where the darkness was thickest, crossed the palisade. To make assurance surer, I got upon my hands and knees and crawled, without a sound, towards the corner of the house. As I drew nearer, my heart was suddenly and greatly lightened. 
It was not a pleasant noise in itself, and I have often complained of it at other times, but just then it was like music to hear my friends snoring together so loud and peaceful in their sleep. The sea cry of the watch, that beautiful all's well, never fell more reassuringly on my ear. In the meantime, there was no doubt of one thing. They kept an infamous bad watch. If it had been Silver and his lads that were now creeping in on them, not a soul would have seen daybreak. That was what it was, thought I, to have the captain wounded, and again I blamed myself sharply for leaving them in that danger, with so few to mount guard. By this time I had got to the door and stood up. All was dark within, so that I could distinguish nothing by the eye. As for sounds, there was the steady drone of the snorers and a small occasional noise, a flickering or pecking that I could in no way account for. With my arms before me, I walked steadily in. I should lie down in my own place, I thought with a silent chuckle, and enjoy their faces when they found me in the morning. Oh, a little picture of him creeping in. I think his hair has grown since the last picture. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're not very good at defence, are they? Well, I think he seems to say that like the captain's not well enough to kind of sh whip them into shape, so they're forced. Yeah, so they're basically all just decided to all just go to sleep. Let's go to sleep, have a bonfire. I, yeah, I great. I think Jim's now got the arrogance, even though he had arrogance before, that they are nothing without him. He's fully grown yeah. and able to sail the ship thousands of it's miles true, across the sea. Actually, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, they wouldn't have been able to do it without me. But like, I've oh, been I feel really guilty. Days and they've slept on their guards. Yeah. God, I have to do everything. <laughs> An eight-year-old's work is never done. He's just assumed that they're his friends as well. It's like, listen, we are colleagues. Yes, mate. exactly. This is happenstance. This is not a, a stag do. This is not, this is no. you're here <laughs> because you happen to be here and you always need a young person on the ship that you can exploit. So That's it. get back in your lane. <laughs> You're literally just here because you can fit into small you kill, holes. You killed an injured pirate. Slow clap. <laughs> <laughs> My foot struck something yielding. It was a sleeper's leg, and he turned and groaned, but without awaking. And then, all of a sudden, a shrill voice broke forth out of the darkness. Pieces of eight! 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 <laughs> and so forth, without pause or change, like the clacking of a tiny mill. Silver's green parrot, Captain Flint. It was she whom I had heard pecking at a piece of bark. It was she, keeping better watch than any human being who thus announced my arrival with her wearisome refrain. I had no time left to me to recover. At the sharp, clipping tone of the parrot, the sleepers awoke and sprang up. And with a mighty oath, the voice of Silver cried, Who goes? I turned to run, struck violently against one person, recoiled and ran full into the arms of a second, who, for his part, closed upon and held me tight. Bring a torch, Dick, said Silver, <laughs> when my capture was thus assured. And one of the men left the longhouse and presently returned with a lighted brand. End of chapter and mm. end of part five. Ooh, good end to the part. I love how he's like, bring a torch so we can see who it is. It's like, 
it's the body of an eight-year-old. Like, it's not going to be one of the men, is it? You're going to be able to, like, grab him and be like, oh, it's Jim. Because who else is going to have a boy's body? Uh, I just like the sound that that's how he speaks to his men. Bring a torch, dick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My name's John. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up and bring it, knobhead. As soon as he was being really vague about, like, who was in the house... I kind in fact, of, they could just hear the snoring and not see yeah, them. Yeah, and 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 the way and the fire was outside, like, and in the way he was like, you know, oh, I hit a leg, and the man rolled out, like mm. not saying who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of as soon there is as actually he was a bit of a giveaway in the picture, which I didn't. Um, oh really? Say. Was there? Yeah, if you look back at the picture, there's a picture of the. Oh yeah, the parrots in the cage. You can see the parrots cage. Obviously, because about only about five percent of the people listening will be able Watch to see it. it. So I didn't want to go like, oh, there's a cage, because then it kind of ruins the whole suspenders. Yeah, of the, uh, the suspenders. I, didn't, I didn't even clock that as a cage. But I yeah. didn't see that either. Yeah, I thought, oh, I know what that is. And this is also a bit of I remember from the book. So mm. I'm not sort of getting like... <gasps> yeah, no, I don't remember this because this isn't in any of the film versions. <laughs> the Muppets didn't do this bit. No, they didn't. <laughs> You'd think this would be quite a good dramatic device to have in anywhere, like... He's creeping in, and, you, and it's all very dark. And then you step mm. on something, you go, "Who goes there?" And you go, "Oh no!" Mm. So, what do we think's happened then? Well, yeah, no, I'm not sure. I'm Is guessing... this team dead, or have they have they joined yeah. forces? Long John knows he needs them, though. So I don't yeah, think that they'll them. all be dead. I think there'll be at least a few of them. Like they need the doctor because they'll need his skills. They'll need and his chief, maybe the captain or someone who can navigate. So they're going to keep one of them alive as well. Yeah. It's a really bad time to be an unnamed unnamed sea hand. That's all I'm going to say. If you're an unnamed <laughs> yeah. sea hand, your chances are not looking good. Yeah, yeah. you're you're just in there, aren't you? Yeah. What an eventful end to part five. Mm. So we've got to have a double edition of our most favourite game because we need to not only guess what the next chapter's called, but also... Guess what the next part is called? Oh, okay, we're into a new book and like section. Okay. Yes. So I need two predictions, one for the chapter and one for part 6. We've already had the sea cook, haven't we? That's already been a section. It has, yes. So I'm like I know Long John's now back in the picture, but I don't I'm going to try and steer this book to where I want it to go and say like the quest for the treasure or the march for the treasure or getting the treasure. Do you know what I mean? So, so okay. I'm going to go more that's towards That's what I there. thought Beast of Eight would be about. I knew yeah, it's what I, knew. I know. I thought, oh, cool. That's what, they, that's what they're calling it. And, and, and then sticking with you, Matt, what do you think chapter, chapter 28 is called? title might be like captured by the enemy or stuck in the enemy camp. I'm going to go with captured. Captured by the captured. enemy. Okay. David, part six. Uh, part six will be to how my treasure adventure began. Okay, on that so logic in that one. And chapter twenty-eight. He's done it more than once for it to be more than just a quinky dink. True, he has done that. Yeah, professionals call it doctors. Um, <laughs> yeah. And this next one will be Long John Silver's plan or something like that. So, in terms of part six, we're not quite close enough, I'm afraid. Either of you. Uh, part six is called. Captain Silver. Oh. So we're just going so. back to just naming it after the guy again? Yeah, but uh, I see what you mean. Like I the mean, sea cook he, before, and I mean, now he's, he's got a, a new title. <laughs> promotion. <laughs> but still. 
the the next stage of evolution and chapter 28 matt you dithered so much that you basically said all the words and then and then settled on something that wasn't as oh. accurate uh but you were you, there's definitely some points in there somewhere or however okay. many there are this chapter 28 is called in the enemy's camp Ooh. oh which you basically said in yeah America no speaking. but i did go captured okay mm. Well, yeah, because I was just kind of thinking, like, you know, this was theirs and now it's not. And so I was kind of thinking, like, oh, you think? Because yeah. I said before, like, they're going to have to find where the enemies are. Sure. Like, that's the next piece of information that Jim was going to need to get. Not where realizing that the enemies were going to kind of come to him. Because mm. I was waiting for, like, I was like, how are they going to end up colliding again? Is Jim going to go looking for them? And apparently, sure. no, he, they've, they've come looking for him instead. Well, that's good, because we didn't want to waste another four chapters of him looking for people. No, exactly. Tell. I enjoyed that chapter in terms of how it ended. I think that was like a really good little cliffhanger. Yeah. Again, it's one of the things where it's like, there was so much kind of ambling to get to that point that you're kind of going, oh, okay, where's this going? Where's this going? So I'm kind of glad there's like at least a payoff at the end. Stuff. It's, it's, he moves on the timeline for all the other characters as well. As if like, yes. it's stupid to assume, like, so much happens in such little time. Yeah, no, it's definitely good that, that like, clearly the story has moved on in all departments and we're not expected to have just picked up where we left off mm. with Jim. Yeah, and I wonder, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure they'll, Long John Silver's going to boast about what happened. He, th that's how he'll do it as a device, is he'll go, ah, oh, well, what happened was... And I, I wonder if he's going to admit that he killed Israel Hands. I suspect no would be a good a good suggestion. Mm. Yeah, but you know, yeah, a, a, a rite of passage in this time. He's now killed his first person. Yeah. So fucking it. Yeah. I mean, if you were if you were smart, you'd keep the information that the ship is currently just adrift to yourself. You would. You very much would. Because you almost want Long John to underestimate you, and to mm. assume that he has all of the cards in his hand, not realising that one of them's actually been taken. Yes, mm. mm -hmm. yeah, so it's like, oh, we'll get the treasure, we'll go back to the ship and you're going to help us. And then I won't kill you. Mm. That's what it'll be. It'll be like, yeah. maybe, maybe you'll see some use. Well, if you've got any thoughts or opinions on this chapter, you can message us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. Uh, or if you would like to tell us how long it takes you to sink to the bottom of a swimming pool when you breathe out, <laughs> tell us on Twitter. It's at Lazy Book Club Pod. And we'd love to know your favourite tropical disease. Tell us on Instagram <laughs> at Lazy Book Club Pod. I've got cabin fever. I've got cabin <laughs> fever. That is a bit of a trailer. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we're also on Patreon, where for the small fee of $3 a month, you get an extra episode every month as well as access to the videos. Otherwise, we will see you next week for Chapter 28 in the Enemy's Camp. All right. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.